coast to coast combat hour coming off of a big mma uh weekend with uh california kids return so why i figured why not uh have a a california heavy podcast coast to coast combat hour ed carver hall here as always with matt hawkins and uh since we need some boxing news returning once again is uh daniel zaldivar of the last round podcast um danny what's up man What's going on, man? Thanks for having me for the second time again, guys. I appreciate it. Nice, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, uh, we, we well, we've been wanting to talk to you for the last uh, few weeks, few months, actually. You know, with the world of boxing really picking up. It's unfortunate that uh, we this uh, this time it was kind of surrounding the uh, passing of Pernell Whitaker, uh, one of the real. Uh, legends of the game i guess i mean a name that uh, that i knew growing up and everybody i know knew growing up uh what's the what's the latest on him he was apparently hit by a car what what went down as far as you know yeah i mean just like you mentioned um it was some type of an accident i think he was from what i understand i think he was like crossing the street sometime at night uh somewhere in, in virginia beach uh over here on the east coast of the states um and um, I, I'm assuming uh, that, you know, I don't know how the lighting was in that certain area or the intersection, but a car, um, you know, struck him, unfortunately. Um, and uh, I don't, I, at first I thought it maybe it was a drunk driver, um, but I haven't seen anything regarding that. I think it was just honestly an accident. Um, that's what I've seen some, some articles about um, maybe the lighting in the intersection was, was, pretty dim um but yeah like you said it you know just shocked uh not only you know the boxing world but like the fighting world because um you know it, it not just you guys i know you guys are uh mma enthusiasts but um i've had other mma you know enthusiasts and fans reach out and say hey man what happened to pernell whitaker because you know pernell at the time was you know for years at, at that time in the 90s was the pound for pound best in the world so you know, you couldn't deny that. But like you said, it's unfortunate that he had to pass away, especially at such a young age. I believe he was 55. Yeah, he was 55. I actually wrote about it uh, over at MMANews.com. Um, thanks for reading that, Matt. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, so, yeah, it was like around 10.50 p.m. that night on, on um, the thing about the, uh, I, I think the uh, comment about it being too dark came from his son, actually, when uh, the... Um, the Virginian pilot, the the article that that everybody sourced for when the news first broke, um, they said that uh, you know the, the, his son said he think made the comment about it being too dark, but uh, you actually talked with um, on your podcast uh, this past week, uh, uh, Buddy McGirt, uh, who who kind of uh, obviously shared some time with 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 Whitaker. So, uh, do you want to just give us the highlights of, of that conversation? Yeah, sure. Um... Yeah, like you mentioned at the beginning, uh, myself and, and uh, my co-host, uh, Michael Shepard, we co-host a boxing podcast called The Last Round, uh, available on all major podcasting platforms. Uh, um, and uh, this week we had uh, James Buddy McGirt, who uh, at, at this time he's training. He's been a trainer for a, a long time now. Um, he's been retired for a long time. He actually just recently got inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Um, this recent class that just went in. Um, his biggest client right now at the moment is uh, Sergey Crusher Kovalev, a uh, 175-pounder. Um, but it was it was essentially, you know, perfect timing in a sense that Buddy McGirt, um, as a former two-time world champion, he not only fought Pernell Whitaker once in 1993, but he fought him twice the second time in 1994. So... You know, there was no really, nobody else really better who could actually speak on that, on, on, you know, on the legacy of Pernell Whitaker and what he was like as a fighter and, you know, as a person, because, you know, he, yeah, uh, we asked him about stories about him, like, you know, just before the fight and then what it was like fighting him. And then he, uh, 
I asked him when the last time he actually saw him before this tragic accident. He said that he saw him, I think, at a, I think he mentioned like at a Mayweather fight. Um, and they were at a bar um, right there in, somewhere in Vegas. And, and they were just having shots of like cognac and just smoking cigars and everything. Um, but yeah, you know, it was it was a it was a great conversation to have with him because, you know, it, it, it like like we mentioned, Pernell Whitaker, he might not have the name like a you know like a Canelo or like a Mayweather um, yeah because I've noticed I've noticed there's, there's some like articles out there some news agencies who uh, they didn't put his name in the title they just put famous boxer oh, passes wow. away um, and that was kind of like what just put his name in there you know like you know he he, he was he was an undisputed like pound for pound best for yeah. years in the nineties you know but. Um, yeah, like you said, we talked to Buddy McGurr, and you know, uh, uh, if any of your uh, any of your listeners or uh, fans um, want to take you know a listen to that, if they were boxing fans, especially in the '90s, that's a really good conversation to listen to. You mentioned MMA fans reaching out to you, uh, asking about him, and I, I think that that's where he where he kind of fits in in history is is kind of aligns with MMA fans because, as you said, from like what '92 to about '97. He was basically the pound for pound number one fighter and MMA. I mean, there were some of us, I didn't start watching until about 95. I, I know some people claim they watched it UFC one and stuff, but by the time MMA really started kicking off, if you were a combat sports fan, you were a boxing fan and there was no avoiding Pernell Whitaker. Yeah. I mean, his fights with uh, Alfredo Rivero and Julio Cesar Chavez and, and Oscar De La Hoya and stuff. I, I think that that's why he's, he's, you know, at least beloved as a as a as a fighter. Um, obviously, he wasn't always the most exciting fighter. Some people argue he wasn't a big power puncher. I should say, uh, in, in an era coming off the Tyson era, where a lot of people were just hungry for for big knockout punchers. Um, where do you see him? I know towards the end of his career, he had some. Were they PEDs he tested positive for, or was it recreational drugs? I, I I remember it vaguely happening. But where do you see him falling as far as in your mind um, in the pound for pound greatest list? Is he top ten? Is he top fifteen? You know, even if you said he was top thirty, that's still tremendous praise in a sport that's been around for 150 years. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, no, I think he's easily top ten. Uh, um, for me, he arguably would probably be in my top five um, because, like you, like the names you mentioned, the guys he fought. You know, me being you know of Hispanic, uh, I'm Mexican American, um, so I grew up on boxing, uh, especially watching guys like Julio Cesar Chavez, Oscar De La Hoya. You know, anytime those guys fought, it was just a huge party at my house. Um, and Pernell fought both of them. And arguably, you know, they were controversial decisions, uh, especially the De La Hoya one. A lot of people think that Pernell should have got that that nod. Um, so, you know, it, I think he easily is involved in the conversation of top five, definitely top ten uh, best fighters in the world. Um, and I know, like you touched on, that sometimes he wasn't the most exciting. He was defensive-minded. Um, what I like to tell people who like aren't really fighting fans, he was who who get who probably would get the analogy is that he was a Floyd Mayweather be, before Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. So, um, you know, and and even then, like they weren't like the same style. They had similarities, but I've met a lot of I met a lot of boxing minds, like respected boxing minds in the business who have said and even Buddy McGirt said this on our podcast this, this week he said uh, Pernell would have beat Floyd and he's not the first person to say that like I've talked to other people who know the sport like an encyclopedia um, who say Pernell you know would have beat everybody now especially Mayweather who you know a lot of people not just regular fans but co- like uh, casual fans know um, but yeah in terms of belonging in the conversation of of best fighters in the world oh yeah he's definitely he's definitely up there um and you know if you don't have him in, in at least your top 10 then uh you gotta you gotta do some more studying in the fight game yeah i, I think that's one of the things that um like uh the reason why you're getting guys from mma and stuff like that like it's like it's like alluding to like what matt said you know um the guys that that before before that got heavy into mma 
all they had to watch was was either either that or if you're watching K like around here anyway on the East Coast, you're watching the MSG channel for old K1 fights and old old like uh, Ring of Combats and stuff like that. So it's definitely uh, it's he's definitely uh, a fighter from an era that if when people look the people that say that that have issues with boxing now, um, they know Pernell Whitaker because uh, they watched when there was no nobody had any issues with boxing or corruption or or you know fandom versus fandom or anything like that so uh sorely missing it sucks that it had to happen that way but um looking ahead i mean talking about the uh the up-and-comers or at least the current state of boxing um there's a pay-per-view this weekend keith thurman and manny pacquiao uh pbc on fox pay-per-view um at the mgm grand and um i i don't know man i feel like there's not enough buzz for it is 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 that is that the case or am i wrong um i mean there's there is buzz uh especially with pacquiao but i i I understand exactly what you're saying because we're so used to when there's a pacquiao fight uh or a mayweather fight that there was such big buzz that transcended into like the casual fan um but you know it like anything it's hard to sustain that level um mm-hmm. you know people are still talking about it like i you know even out here in la i heard probably on my way home from work uh the last couple of weeks i heard maybe at least 30 uh uh commercials on the on the radio um about pacquiao thurman and then i've seen just commercials so i mean they're promoting it there's billboards out in la there's posters out in la um and i know you know vegas has had stuff especially you know on the strip um but you're right, though. In terms of in terms of the buzz, it's not it's not going to be as big. It's not as big actually as it was, you know, ten years ago or something. Because it's just like it's just like anything. Like you know, people fighters transcend the sport mm. and they become bigger than the sport. But it also helps when you have a foe across who you can work with. And for the for years, Pacquiao Mayweather were dancing around each other, but their names were like intertwined which made them into bigger stars because people were mentioning oh i want to see those two fights those that's the fight i want to see that's the fight i want to see so it helped both of their their stocks and their stardom and right now ever since mayweather's essentially you know been retired for the last couple of years um there's not really anybody across from pacquiao that has that name recognition so you know it, that level of, of buzz isn't going to be as high as it once was is uh so Pacquiao now I believe is forty years old. Um, yeah, we you know we saw Uriah Faber. Uh, we'll get to that in the MMA, but he he just won at forty years old, came out of retirement after a couple years and won. Is is Pacquiao now Thurman is twenty nine and zero, and I've seen he's got twenty two knockouts, so he, he seems to be a, the power puncher. Is Pacquiao a legitimate threat? Um, as far as I mean, I know he's a legitimate threat. Don't, don't. That's not what I'm trying to say. But is he? Uh, should we take him serious as a pound for pound or a, a real top level champion at this point, or is he more kind of like people are seeing Uriah Faber as a guy who picked up a big win, but really shouldn't be necessarily messing with the the top shelf? Is is Thurman the top guy he can fight right now, or is is there somebody else Pacquiao could could face uh, that? that would even be a, a higher level of competition. Um, I you mean, understand the, kind of what I'm getting yeah, at? No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I get exactly what you're trying to say. Um, you know, and, and addressing first that if we should be looking at Pacquiao as like, you know, a, a, a threat, especially in his division, the welterweight division, like, you know, especially at being at 40 years old, because, you know, like everybody always loses, loses to father time. Um, but... Yeah, I, 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 as of right now, I, yes, you, you would, you should still look at him as a threat, um, especially. You know, I've been lucky enough to to see him train multiple times out here in Hollywood, um, in front of my eyes, like you know, and the guy just puts in work. I don't know if you guys have ever seen pictures of his of his calves, but those things are like tree trunks, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's a monster, like you know, and like he he and he just even when he's not like training like for a fight. He like works out just as hard. I mean, he doesn't do sparring and stuff like that, but he'll go work out um, and he stays in shape um, and he doesn't like drink anymore. He doesn't do any of that stuff. Um, and, but yeah, I, he, he's definitely a legitimate threat. I don't think you can, 
it's fair to say that he's not a threat until we actually see something that might affect him in the ring. Like he fought Adrian Broner in January. And yeah, I know Broner's not on the level of Keith Thurman uh, or anybody, you know, in the top welterweight division, but Broner was like a four division world champion, you know? And I, I get, you know, every time Broner stepped up to a big fight, he's lost, but Broner was like 28 years old and he was still dangerous because he was a young kid. Um, and Pacquiao yeah, shut him out all 12 rounds. Um, and in terms of uh, Thurman being a top guy, uh, the only other person essentially that Pacquiao could fight in that division that would be more dangerous uh, would be the IBF welterweight world champion, Errol Spence. Mm. Um, and even then, like Thurman is still dangerous. Uh, but the only thing that affects Thurman is that for about the last two years, he's he's battled through injuries. Yeah. Um, so he's not as dangerous as he once was. If Thurman wasn't battling those injuries the last two years and had suffered from the inactivity to an extent, uh, Thurman, Thurman probably would have had an argument to be better than Spence um, because before, before these last two years, the welterweight division was Keith Thurman's division because he was a unified champion. He, he had the WBA super welterweight title and he had the WBC welterweight title. And he only relinquished the WBC because he, of inactivity. But he, he got to keep the other one. So, essentially, Thurman is the second best fighter in the 147-pound division that Pacquiao could fight. And it's still dangerous because Thurman is, Thurman is still good and he's wacky. I don't know if you guys have been able to see his like, how he's been promoting this fight. But he's been saying, like, I'm going to crucify you, Manny. And Manny's like, yeah. really religious. Like, you know, it's wild, man. So, yeah, I think this is a very intriguing matchup and I'm looking forward to it. So uh, one question I have just about what you mentioned about the things you've been saying leading up to the matchup. It just seems like uh, like when you talked about how great fights, it helps with the type of foe that the, the, the fighter has. I feel like uh, I don't know if it's I mean, Manny's never been one to, to be a trash talker or whatever, but it just seems like Thurman's playing this game and Manny's not playing it. You know, like, 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 it's like, he's pretty much just like, yeah, he, he smiles and, and that's pretty much it. So do you feel like that might be part of the reason why it just seems like, like, um, like people are, are going to be, you'll see it. I'm pretty sure we'll see it trending on Saturday night when it's happening, but it's not trending right now. Like, like, uh, like the way we know Ruiz and, and, uh, what's his name is going to be trending in, in December. Uh, Joshua. Heavy, Joshua. Yeah, Joshua. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. It'll definitely trend Saturday night. Um, and I mean, just like just like anything, uh, like, for example, touching on the Ruiz Joshua one, like, yeah, that was trending throughout the week because it was Joshua's first fight in the U.S. and, yeah. and stuff like that. But it became even bigger that the trend set of the fight game because Ruiz was such an underdog who was like a late minute replacement and who knocked out the unified heavyweight champion of the world who's like built like an Adonis um, which made that moment even bigger you know shout out if, to fat Mexicans all over the world yeah I, I know <laughs> you like them myself man. included yeah <laughs> I know you like them man. you text me right after like we did it right <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but yeah the, the Pacquiao fight it'll, it'll get buzzed on Saturday of course yeah. um, especially you know if Pacquiao gets knocked out or stopped that might be the biggest type of buzz that you can get because people know Pacquiao people know his name like fans like casual fans hardcore fans everybody mm -hmm. um, but even if he knocks out Thurman that could be I just feel that if Pacquiao gets knocked out it's going to be a bigger story because uh, it's kind of it's kind of people are going to be writing stuff pieces saying oh you know he's already 40 years old he's been in the game he has to retire yeah, yeah. Um, and now and now he's fighting these young guys like you know you have to give him uh, mad props for trying to fight these young lions in the welterweight division, but you know maybe it's time to hang them up. Like, you know, that's a story. That's a that's a story that would do well um, online, uh, and people would read it because like, oh, Pacquiao fought like, and he got knocked out. Oh wow, you know, like, I mean, because I remember when he got knocked out by Marquez yeah, in 2011. That, yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a big that was a big moment because um, you know Marquez got him with that that counter straight right. Um, and then just Manny just face planted. Um, I remember that was all over the place. So, um, 
Yeah, you're right. And, and there's no buzz right now, but there'll be buzz on Saturday. And then, like I said, just depending on the outcome, you know, it could be bigger. It could be a huge buzz just depending on what happens, just like Ruiz beating Joshua. Yeah. I see that um, I see Pacquiao. The last line I saw was at about a one, minus 140 favorite. I imagine when his followers show up in Vegas, it wouldn't surprise me if that goes to 150, 160, maybe even 170 when the bets really start coming in. Uh, does that surprise you? Is he? Do you think he's a favorite because he should win the fight or just because he's Manny Pacquiao and people are putting money on him? How do you, how do you see the fight unfolding? Um, I think it's a combination of both, but uh, I picked Manny um, on our show this week. Um, I just think that he's still, like, just based on his recent performance and, like, you know, he, he, he's used to the spotlight. Um, Thurman's been in big fights, and uh, he's fought on Fox, he's fought on Showtime. And Thurman, because uh, they, they both fight under the PBC banner, which is a promotional company, the Premier Boxing Champions, which is run by Al Heyman who's one, like, a, a big boxing manager um, in the sport of boxing. Um, and every time Thurman has fought in the last couple of years, his ratings have always been very strong. So he gets people to tune in. Um, but I think I think it's correcting people in, in like, the spending, the, the book odds, picking Manny as a favorite. Um I think it's I think it's a close matchup. I think it's an intriguing matchup. I think it's a great matchup because I like Thurman. I'm a, I, I you know I think he's a great fighter, um, but I, I do I just think that Manny with those angles and that speed and then he like he, he'll he'll do like a right hook, but then he'll punch you with his straight left to the chest, and you're like what you're punching punching my chest like you know. And, I think it's accurate in, 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 in the sports books picking Manny Pacquiao as, as the winner this Saturday. But like you said, uh, those odds could go up or maybe they could go down, just like anything in sports books in Vegas. Like sometimes hmm. the, the morning of, like they switch. Like, you know, Thurm- for some reason, Thurman, if some news comes out like the night before, oh, Pacquiao might have a shoulder injury or something, the sports books could flip and Thurman yeah. could be the favorite. So it just depends. But I think right now, it's, it's a pretty accurate depiction. One last thing about about Pacquiao, I, I meant to ask is because I I never either I'm 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 stupid and I forgot it or I believe or, it. or or I just it just hadn't happened yet. What, what was the dude that he lost the controversial the Australian guy right? Jeff he Horn. Lost, Jeff Horn. Did they ever do run that back or has that got buried away with the with the controversy? No, that they were they never ran that back. Uh, I think they were looking to run it back, but. Uh, there was reports around that time, and it's, I think it would, they were pretty accurate that that was Manny Pacquiao's final fight under his uh, contract with Top Rank, who's another wow. boxing promoter. And the plan that Bob Arum, who runs Top Rank, he's the president, you know, CEO of Top Rank, uh, was that the, the plan was always to get the belt to Jeff Horn. Because they had Top Rank had signed him to multiple fight deals, and by that time Manny Pacquiao had not had not uh, signed a, an extension on his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so people kind of expected, like, oh, you know, is there going to be some kind of funny business here? And um, you know, I don't know how some people could say Jeff Horn won that fight because he didn't. Yeah, um, I saw it, and I, I disagreed. Yeah, and uh, but you know, uh, just like you mentioned, you know, Jeff Horn got the decision. And took Manny Pacquiao's WBO welterweight world title. Um, and then, uh, ironically, you know, sometime later, uh, or not a couple months after, Terrence Crawford, who's also a, a top-ranked fighter and arguably one of the best fighters in the world right now in the welterweight division, had just moved up from 140 to 147. And uh, there was rumors that um, he they wanted the belt to go on top rank wanted a welterweight title to go on Terrence Crawford because he's a younger guy. He's like yeah. 10 years younger, 12 years younger than Pacquiao. So he was the next star in their stable. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Horn beat Pacquiao, got the belt. He got a, he got one defense down in Australia a couple months later and he, he made some money down there. And then he came to Vegas uh, sometime in the next, like, you know, six months after that. And he fought Terrence Crawford for the belt, and he he got knocked out by Terrence Crawford, and now Terrence Crawford's had that belt ever since. So huh. I think it was like a long con 
uh, yeah. from, from top rank, but it worked out. So, but it was all politics behind it. Speaking of uh, long cons, um, the one the one bot last boxing question that I have for you is uh, just because I saw it pop up this week. What's up with Canelo in September? They're they're not going to do the big September sixteenth. Like they're 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 stepping out of the boxing cycle of events with, by doing that. No, no, absolutely. Um, just like you mentioned, uh, the biggest dates for boxing um, have always been in May and September of every year. In May, because of the Cinco de Mayo um, little holiday that you know, uh, you know Mexicans celebrate. And then in September, because it's Mexican Independence Day, I mean, you know, Hispanic people love their boxing. They, you know, there's a lot of MMA fans as well, mm-hmm. but especially their boxing. Um, and those are big weekends of fights. Um, yeah. For for years, uh, Mayweather had those dates, but then Mayweather, you know, retired and kind of went on his way, and Canelo took over those dates. Um, and we're essentially two months out from the. A September date and everybody you know in the boxing world was like chiming in on Twitter and everything hey we haven't heard any announcement from Canelo Alvarez and his team you know we're you know we're two months out you got to get the promotional uh yeah you know machine going and everything and and then we were hearing there was like negotiations with uh like I mentioned that guy Sergey Kovalev who fights at 175 pounds that Canelo wanted to move up to another weight division and fight him who's like you know Kovalev is a way bigger guy but they were trying to negotiate with him and I guess it wasn't, you know, they, it came down to money and then, uh, but DAZN, who's a streaming app that, uh, that Canelo exclusively fights on. Um, I'm sure you guys, your guys' fans know it cause Bellator's on there now. Yeah. Um, there was reports that, that DAZN, uh, wanted the third fight with Triple G because they what you know they wanted to increase their subscribers, which I get it. They're a business at the end of the day, so it would help push their numbers. But um, there's reports that Canelo doesn't want to give a third fight to Triple G, like that he really does not like the guy. Mm. So, um, so they were trying to make a fight with this with Sergey Kovalev, who's a former world champion at 175 pounds, and they were going to sell it as Canelo moving up to like his, you know, fourth weight division um, and trying to get another world title. Um, but it just wasn't working out, uh, and I guess that you know they were. It was like it all came down to money, and then he didn't want to give Triple G, as I mentioned, a third shot. He was, you know, he didn't want to share the ring with him anymore. Um, so his promoter, Golden Boy, and Canelo at the same time just decided to say they're going to postpone it because they want to be able to have sufficient enough time to find a credible opponent. Um, and they said that he's he should be back in the ring sometime later this year, possibly November, possibly December. But you know, I mean. He's supposed to come back, but you know it is it is sort of a big deal that there, he's not going to fight in September because mm. that's been that's been his date for quite a few years now. If I was Canelo, I'd hate Triple G too since he beat him twice. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, but anyways, you're, you're, I, you're not the only one. People say that you're right. No, I mean both of them were great fights, and, and right. I thought the first one was Triple G. I thought the second one was was really close. Um, which is weird because the first one was the draw, but uh, yeah. uh, you bring up DAZN. Uh, I wanted to ask you as a, as a boxing expert, it seems to me between DAZN and ESPN plus now that there is a lot of boxing on. Were these fights broadcast before or is it just all of us? I mean, it literally seems like on a weekend from 5 a.m. in the morning until till midnight, you can watch boxing almost on, on those networks. Is it just uh, because of those streaming sites that all this new boxing is being shown now? Or was it always available just through other uh, through other access points? I mean, no, you're right. In terms of these streaming sites like ESPN Plus, The Zone, uh, boxing has definitely got a, a longer, a bigger reach now. And it's definitely uh, more readily available on demand, especially. Um, especially with The Zone. Uh, who ever since they signed like their deal with uh, Golden Boy and Top Ray, or not Top Ray, Golden Boy and uh, like Matchroom Boxing, who's headed by another promoter, Eddie Hearn. Um, you know, they were able to in the in those agreements, they were able to get their their libraries of, of fights. So like De La Hoya, De La Hoya's fights are on there, like against Mosley, against Mayweather, um, you know, against Chavez and stuff like that. So you can go on the zone right now. And I hope, you know, I get some money from this from them because I'm plugging it for him. But um, you can go on there right now and uh, watch, you know, De La Hoya Chavez. 
you can watch De La Hoya Trinidad. You can watch Canelo Mayweather. Uh, you know, Canelo versus, uh, you know, Amir Khan and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, you know, or you can watch, like, you know, Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz. Um, that just happened. That, you know, they're on demand. And same thing with ESPN Plus. They have a big library as well, from especially after signing their deal with Top Rank. Um, so, you know, ever since, I mean, I'm sure you know, like your fight fans know, uh, ever since HBO boxing got out of the fight game and they had, you know, they had a big stronghold on, on, on the fight game for years. Arguably, they were probably the best platform to be on as a boxer. Um, ever since they got, they got out of the fight game, um, you know, DAZN and like ESPN scooped up a lot of their fighters. Mm. Um and sign them to network deals and, and, and sign deals with promoters and all that stuff. But um, you're absolutely right. It, boxing's more available than it is now than I think, than I think it ever has been, um, especially in this, in this era of, of on-demand streaming that we have where, uh, you know, you can just go on the zone, ESPN+, even just YouTube, and just look up something if you want to f- watch a, a specific fight. It's likely out there where you can just click a button and watch the entire thing. So I, I'm all about it, man, because I'm a I'm a fan. So I like it. I like it. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, I, I, it's just it seems like there's so much now, and and obviously MMA has been the same way over the years. Where it's just it's in your face now. You you don't have to search it out. It's it's there. You click a button on your TV, and and there's pretty much nonstop boxing live or on demand. Like you said, I wasn't aware that DAZN had added all the the archives. So that's uh, that's definitely a nice feather in their cap. Um, you mentioned something else real quick, and while I got you on here uh, about the International Boxing Hall of Fame, and I, I think you said Buddy McGirt got got inducted. Um, I, I believe a couple of years ago, I'm sure you're aware of a guy named Rich Murata. I think he tried to open up a boxing hall of fame in Vegas. Uh, a couple of years ago, and I, don't, I think it actual an actual building, and I don't think it lasted very long. Is there any kind of building in this country that you can actually go for a boxing hall of fame, or is it like the UFC Hall of Fame, where it's it's just in name recognition and and website? Um, no, I think I think there is a I think there is a building because uh, they have they have the boxing hall of fame in uh, what state? What is it? Somewhere in the Midwest? Um, it's somewhere somewhere over there. Um, but uh, you're right, though. Rich Rattrata tried to do something in Vegas, and it didn't really work out. Um, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how the UFC works with their Hall of Fame. But like, I, I think for boxing, you can visit. Um, which I don't know why, uh, as a, especially as any type of mainstream sports, like you wouldn't have some type of place where fans can just go and like you know pay tribute or visit and like you know charge them five ten bucks to come in and you know make some money off of that that's the big deal you know like it, it's cool to see because then you especially growing up and you see like oh i used to watch that guy fight i used to you know watch every one of his fights and everything like that like you know and and i mean a lot of these places should be probably in vegas or, or like you know big metropolitan metropolitan markets vegas la new york i mean you know that that's where your traffic is at in terms of you know fandom um, but, um, yeah, I, I think I'm pretty sure there is that you can visit the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, I don't want to say what states. I know it's in, like, the Midwest somewhere. Um, is it is it Illinois? I don't, you know, it might not even be Illinois. I don't even know where exactly it is. I just know it's somewhere located it's, it's somewhere. It's not Philadelphia there. where the Rocky statue is? I, no, I, know, I know it's not. I know. It. I just thought I'd ask something stupid. It should, it should <laughs> be, though. It should be right next to the Rocky statue. Yeah. No, I mentioned to a friend, though, that I was shocked that MMA history is not that long. So you might still not quite have that um, following where you're going to get people of all ages. Uh, whereas boxing, you could have a 10-year-old who's getting into boxing, or you could have a 95-year-old who, who, who's been into boxing for, for 85 years. And and that surprises me that the casino like MGM or somewhere in Vegas doesn't take one of their little corner boutiques or whatever and just turn it into a, a little museum and, like you said, charge $5. Even have it just walk through and you can see everybody's trunks or, uh, you know, gloves. And it doesn't have to be extremely – and just have a, a – busts of the fighters or, or plaques with the fighters names on it surprises me the UFC doesn't have something like that at T-Mobile Arena or something where you walk around the arena and in the corner of the arena there's a 
they have a place with their plaques. I mean, they're only dealing with like 15 or 20 names at this point, so it doesn't have to be anything extravagant. But uh, yeah, it surprises me, but uh, it doesn't seem like there's anything big. I mean, everybody knows Cooperstown and and uh, yeah, for baseball and uh, Atlantic City does something too. Like there's there's an Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame ceremony, but there's no location for it. Like they just have it in the Boardwalk Hall there, and then you know give people the awards the same way like like you said with the UFC Hall of Fame and and everything else I guess but um all right so I mean I guess that's that was all the boxing questions I had for um I guess we should talk with the we should talk about uh Uriah Faber's comeback since you alluded to it earlier um it's up to you Daniel you're welcome to stick around if you want to stick around and and uh we're gonna we're gonna look at the uh, upcoming weekend and stuff for for UFC since we already talked about boxing so um Feel free to stick around if you want to, but um, yeah, uh, I'll stick around, man. I'm cool. Cool. So, California kid. I mean, I know you at least heard of him, Daniel. But uh, what was the reaction on the West Coast, uh, Matt, with uh, with Uriah Faber's win? Well, I thought the card from uh, start to finish was actually pretty exciting. Uh, initially, it was catching a lot of flack uh, because it had a female main event, and unless it's Ronda Rousey, Cyborg, Amanda Nunes, usually that doesn't carry the the weight. Uh, for the fans, but uh, getting to Faber in the co-main event, I, I didn't. I, I it would I'd be lying if I said I thought he was going to win the fight. Um, I thought he could be highly competitive. He's always been competitive, uh, but he ended up winning by by first round knockout in forty six seconds after taking a couple shots from Simon. Um, I think that. Uh, I think it just shows what he said in the post-fight press conference. I don't know if you saw that. It wasn't a press conference. It was on the on the booth there on uh, on ESPN Plus. He basically said there's levels to this, and we and we say that and we hear that. When you look at Faber's record, his only losses are to top-ranked guys. Um, and I, I know Jimmy Rivera worked him pretty good, and Rivera's had some tough losses lately. But in losing to Jose Aldo, losing to uh, Dominic Cruz, and those guys, that doesn't that doesn't mean you're not in the top five. You losing to the one or two guys, the champion. And, and I think that he kind of made a point where if you fought guys like Ricky uh, Simone over and over again, he would, he'd likely go on a 10 fight win streak again and people would be clamoring for him to fight the title. So I think he basically just proved that he's an all time great. He went in there and I mean, they were just winging. It wasn't like we saw a ton of skill and, yeah. and, and a battle for the ages, but uh uh, you know, I, I think it's fun to have him back in the sport. And, uh, I mean, he's got a tremendous following. Uh, he's got one of the best uh, walkouts in the game. And, uh, I mean, we talk about legends. I talk about Fedor. I talk about, uh, you know, all these guys all the time. And uh, and he and he falls right into that category as, as an all-time legend of the sport. So, uh, it's a huge win. Uh, love to see it. was really exciting. Love to see that it happened in Sacramento. Uh, no, no fan of uh, Northern California over here, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but love to uh, love to see the people of Sacramento and, and his friends and family get to celebrate a huge win. You know, um, I think there's something to be said because when you look at the uh, uh, the guys in MMA that retire, they always they always retire around late 30s and then come back, you know, after a break. And I think there's something to be said about just just taking a break and fighting so frequently um what it, the the wonders it can do for your body when you when you do reach that age as a martial artist and and, and looking to still compete at that level i mean you know shale son retired for his second time tito ortiz keeps retiring and coming back immediately <laughs> after so <laughs> it's like you know what i mean so it's just like it's like one of those things and and I don't know if that happens in boxing, Daniel, but it seems like like there's something to be said for just taking a, a break and and then coming back and seeing what you what's, what you got. No, you're right. Yeah, I mean it happens in the fight game, especially when you entice somebody with like a pretty decent payday and stuff like that. Um, and that's the that's why I started laughing when you mentioned Tito Ortiz because uh, <laughs> you know he's 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 the epitome of that right now. Um, and then uh, you know, especially you guys as MMA fans. Um, and uh, just because it was big news, I wanted to see what your guys' opinion was, what, what your memories were of the great uh, company known as uh, Golden Boy MMA. <laughs> My memory is buying a ticket and sitting there and watching all the fights from about 30 feet away. But uh, <laughs> no, it, it was uh, uh, 
I, I'm a sucker for the 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 legends of the the fighting game, and uh, as I mean, and Pacquiao's way more competitive than than obviously Liddell and Ortiz at this point. But it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you you love to see when you're fans of these people, you just love to see them compete. And obviously, it's it's a violent game, so it, it doesn't end well for for one of the parties uh, involved. Um, but uh, I mean, I did I, for, with Tito. I've always said it. I, I mean, I've I've had you know love hate relationship with the guy um, when he first came on the scene. It was hard not to be a fan of his, especially being here in Southern California. Um, I've wrote some. I wrote an article, a couple articles on him, kind of claiming that he was the first guy that was kind of the, the regular dude who got into fighting MMA. He wasn't a, 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 a. He didn't have some lineage that went back seventy years in Brazil. He wasn't some Olympian. Um, he, he wasn't some bar fighter per se, like a Tank Abbott, something like that, or, or, or some of those other guys that was fighting. He was really just like a college kid who went in there and kicked a lot of ass. And I know he had some some uh, some wrestling accolades and stuff, but um, he, you know he bleached his hair for a you know me being like a 17, 18 year old kid at the time, and him being only a couple years older. He he kind of was the kind of was the shit you know for for people my age and, and my friend group so and and you know and throughout his career um he fought people that i rooted against him and stuff but uh i mean i th- he's five and one or four and one in his last five fights he's getting paid good money um he hasn't taken a beating in any of those fights so as far as i'm concerned tito can keep fighting uh he brings the crowd in i mean i know the golden boy thing didn't didn't pay off pay-per-view wise but there was six or seven thousand people in the arena um in southern california so i mean he's got a following um i don't know about the alberto del rio thing or uh <laughs> whatever whatever his real name is slips my mind uh all of a sudden but or you know i guess alberto del rio is kind of his real name um i'm thinking dos caros who, who what was his name when he when he yeah. fought uh crow cop but uh I imagine if they do it in the right place, uh, what is it rumored to be like Mexico City or something like that? It's it's been uh, Spain, Mexico City, and now they're talking about it back in the U.S. again. So who knows? I mean, I think their best bet, honestly, is probably Los Angeles. It's going to get the amount of. It's not going to. I mean, I don't think that they're selling out a bull arena or anything in Mexico City. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> unless unless they would, but I it, we all we see the kind of smoke and mirrors. I think a little bit with Combate. Um, they talk a huge game, but when you see their events and there's 65 people in the crowd, it's hard to believe that 4 billion people are watching on TV. Yeah, I mean, those those uh, there's people that have actually done the math on those numbers and call them doctored. So I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get into that because Campbell knows me and he's he'll come after me if I if I, if I try to if I try to get into that. But um, it, it is what it is. I mean, they're still around. That's what I'll say about Combate Medicals. They know how to throw a party. But um, <laughs> other than that, uh, yeah. Um, but the, what the hell were we talking about before Daniel? No, I went on a little rant about Tito. Um, <laughs> Daniel lowballed us with Golden Boy MMA. <laughs> that was the most talk anybody's ever talked about Golden Boy MMA. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, getting back to the Sacramento card, uh, obviously Faber had the huge win. And then in typical uh, main event fashion, we allowed uh, Herb Dean to mess up oh there it is that's what i so, you knew you knew that was coming <laughs> i forgot uh, i forgot go ahead the floor no. is yours matt <laughs> <laughs> no i've ranted enough about herb dean i think he's gotten lazy i think he uh has gotten real complacent as a referee uh we've seen it through refs throughout gener- you know all the generations of referees uh i think even john mccarthy had a uh, time where he became a little complacent in the cage um i i just i'm i just I, I don't people love Herb Dean he's famous I, I don't know if it's his look I don't know if it's because he's on the video game I don't know if it's because he's been around a long time but um, I'll never understand people cheering a referee it really blows my mind I mean I, I get I, I mean I get if they're nice guys or something or they donate to your charity but you know Miles Lane, Mills Lane was kind of like that I mean he, he kind of had a following at his his judge show on TV and stuff and Who, who's the guy now with the faces in boxing Daniel the guy that makes all the faces oh so, he's, uh, he's he's a referee in New York uh, Williams or something like that what, what, uh, oh gosh it's with the W now it's, it slipped my mind and I I know exactly what you're talking about he's Danny Danny Williams or 
Uh, what, is it? Uh, I think that's something like that. It's with a W, but you're you're right though. Like in terms of, if you guys want to see a referee, in, at least in, in the boxing world, and be entertained by him, his facial expressions are ridiculous. Steve Willis. Steve Willis. Go. Yeah, yeah. But he's not. He's known for his 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 antics or his facial expressions. He's not known for. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what people people say. All oh, Herb Dean's the best in the game. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's he's screwed up a lot of fights, and his consistency is is off the charts. So is he again, as, is he as bad as Mazagati and Yamasaki? <laughs> him though, um, I I think Mazagati got a bad rap over a couple fights in a time where Dana White was real loud and had a platform to really tell you apart. You Mazagati, mean now? <laughs> uh, yeah, but not, it's not it's not quite the same as it is now because I think a lot yeah. of people are have caught up on Dana White's bullshit. In the, in the mid two thousands, that when Lesnar and stuff came in, when he was coming on radio shows and stuff, I mean, people really thought everything Dana White said was 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 the Bible. You know, when he would say, "Oh, or, you know," now I think a lot of people have caught on to it. So I don't know if people fall for it. Uh, Mazagati, uh, so I think he caught a bad rap. I think uh, Kim Winslow got a real bad rap. She oh had yeah, one or, she's like she gone. Had, I mean, I thought she was a fine ref, but I. You call me just bleed. I I don't like fights stopped early in a main event fight. Um, I think people's careers are on the line, and I get it. Okay, they yeah. they take an extra punch. But my thing with Herb Dean is he'll stop one fight where somebody gets hit one time, and then the next fight he'll let CB Dalloway get put in a damn coma in the cage, and it's just or or, or Dillashaw Barrow one. I mean, or two when the, the second time they fought, he let Barrow take like sixteen unanswered punches. Just I mean, just blasting him up against the cage and it's just inconsistency so i don't know i mean i i just i feel like one out of three fights with herb dean is going to end in controversy and, and that's where we're at but with that said a huge win for your favorite female fighter jermaine durandamy um, <laughs> yeah. who, who got the 16 second knockout uh of aspen lad uh tied for the fastest finish in in women's uh bantamweight history with ronda rousey uh with i believe her defeat of alexa davis yeah um that was real close to the to the katzengano finish but i believe that davis was the one uh they might have actually been the exact same but neither here nor there um so yeah i don't know it was it was josh emmett got a a, a big win um it, it was a, it was a good fight card uh did you catch any of it i know it was on your uh anti espn three or espn plus did you actually catch any of the fights uh, just the highlights. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I ain't got no time for no bird. ESPN Plus. <laughs> well, uh, so well, then I'll. Uh, Brianna Van Buren, who's coming off her uh, tournament win in Invicta, uh, the the Phoenix Rising tournament winner, and Invicta got a big win over uh, uh, Livia uh, Souza, who uh, who was the former Invicta champion and who was undefeated uh, in the UFC. Uh, up until then, so that's a big win in the female scene. Juliana Pena also came back, uh, picked up a big victory over Nico Montano. Oh, that I, I saw the highlight for that. Yeah, yeah. you know that was, that was no, nothing over the top exciting, other than the fact Montano basically dominated the first round, and then Pena came back uh, and, and took the last two. Um, good, good night of fights. Uh, you know, not huge star power other than Faber, but yeah. uh, I think I think for the, the ticket prices for that event topped out around 125 bucks or so so i would say the people that paid to go to the event definitely got their money's worth but uh this weekend uh is not on espn plus that's espn red right it's espn4 correct big big show so you can watch this one yeah i will watch it <laughs> i will watch it as a matter of fact i will watch it um uh we were talking about it before daniel jumped down and we started recording um daniel i know i sent you the card i don't know if any of the names jumped out at you um, if you have any opinion on them, uh, as far as the main the main card that I sent you, um, but uh, I, I was do, just gonna uh, follow your guys' lead. You know, <laughs> try to try to jump in if I see anything. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. Uh, at least for the for the the fights that stand out to me, obviously the main event, uh, Rafael dos Anjos versus Leon Edwards, and and Matt, you and I were talking about it before we went on. Um, I, I, I it's hard for me to not pick dos Anjos because I just haven't been that impressed with Leon Edwards and, and it has nothing to do with him getting clapped up by George Masvidal either. No, um, 
I think it's a good fight on paper. Edwards is kind of flies under the radar because he doesn't have the, the name recognition yet. And uh, he is a British fighter. And I think a lot of his fights have kind of been uh, buried under the ESPN plus international fight scene a little bit. Uh, I do. I, I picked Edwards initially uh, just because of his wrestling. I know Dos Anjos has had trouble with that. Um, obviously, uh, Kevin Lee didn't didn't fade him at all but uh i'm leaning towards edwards i i i pick against dos Anjos more than i should um but uh i i feel like edwards i mean he's on a seven fight win streak um so i, I just think that he's probably the more up and coming fighter uh, we talk about aging fighters and i just feel like eventually the guy's gonna hit a wall and mm-hmm. uh i don't know how much more uh Rafael has in the in the in the tank as far as fighting top level guys but he surprises me more often than not so so we'll see what happens uh for me, for me it's the heavyweights uh that yeah yeah jump out at me i mean uh yeah that's that's the weight class that i i, I enjoy and uh so andre arlovsky uh ben oh, rothwell yeah. are a few yeah. fights down on the card um they fought in uh oh gosh it was uh I'm looking at the card. I'm not this one. So you guys know. No, I, I'm just. I'm, I, I believe. I think I saw their first fight. I just let me double check. Uh, it confuses me. Uh, it was at Affliction. I was thinking. I, I get him and uh, Big Country mixed up. Whether it was Elite X or Affliction, but yeah, they fought on the first Affliction card um, in Anaheim here, and uh, and Arlovsky pummeled him. Um, but I don't see it happening this time. I think Arlovsky's on on the end of his his run. I think he hit the wall about five fights ago and the UFC <laughs> yeah. is just keeping him around. Um, my prediction is that Rothwell wins by knockout. Arlovsky leaves the UFC and fights Fedor Emelianenko uh, in Japan at the end of this year. It's a fight Arlovsky has been fighting for ever since affliction two event. And uh, without, since we haven't seen anything announced with Fedor, I almost feel like they might be waiting for something. And I think that that's a fight that would, uh, that would sell. Arlovsky has a relationship with Scott Coker. Yeah. And, and Coker's talking about a, a co-promotion Bellator versus, uh, you know, or it wouldn't be Bellator versus uh, Ryzen, essentially, well, if they both signed with you, uh, Bellator, but on a card there in Japan. Yeah. Um, I could see that fight happening. That also could be the fight if they decided to go to Moscow or St. Petersburg uh, with Fedor. Um, that would obviously be a no-brainer also for Arlovsky, even if that were two or three fights down the line. Uh, I think we're getting essentially we're rumored to have a three-fight Fedor kind of retirement run. Um, no, it's for sure that that, that so. he's doing a retirement run. Out of, uh, he signed for three. I think it's three. Um, I think I thought I uploaded that video from the when he when he spoke at in New York. He, yeah, it's it's uh, as far as I understand, it's a three-fight, and he says they're going to di- the places they've never been. Um, I don't know if that means never been ever as far as Fedor fighting or never been ever as Bellator or never been ever as Scott Coker. Yeah. Because um, in theory, you could Bellator has never brought Fedor to to San Jose. Yeah. Um, so there's some there's some, but he fought Verdun there uh, in Strike Force. Yeah. Obviously, Fedor's fought in Russia and he's fought in Japan. But Bellator hasn't been to either yeah. of those of those countries as a as a huge uh, name, um, uh, other than the the Horiguchi Caldwell. But uh, uh, just just match. real quick, because uh, to get back to uh, the the UFC card, um, I'm I'm picking Arlovsky in that one too. You're picking him to win or lose? I'm sorry, uh, to lose. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I think, think I think to lose. Yeah, only because Arlovsky does have like he can still drop folks if if. They get caught. He's got to punch his chance just like anyone does. But as far as like fighters that are getting better and still have time to do something, um, I think Rothwell's had enough uh, downtime and and you know just is just taking less damage over the years. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I don't see Arlovsky um, winning that one. They're both big punchers. They're both, uh, but but. Uh... Rothwell went the, the uh, limit the, the to decision against Blagoy, Ivanov, and Junior Dos Santos yeah. and, and took some big shots, and he landed big shots on both of those guys as well. Yeah. I think if we get to a battle of punching and who's going to land on who, I, I don't think Arlovsky lasts long if uh, if Rothwell lands a punch like he did against those guys. So yeah. That's the heavyweight fight. Um, 
Greg Hardy, Juan Adams. I'm not really. We're not. We're not I don't think we really need to jump on that train yet. Um, really? I mean, uh, you can. I mean, I. I, uh-huh. I, I want to say Juan Adams will win, but. Uh, but that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I know. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, in a sense that we've seen Juan Adams actually have kind of real MMA fights where Hardy's kind of just knocked out his opponents really quick. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. It, there's been a lot of trash talk coming from Adams uh, about that fight. Always makes you wonder if he's just going to walk into a big punch. Yeah. Trying to turn it into a firefight when really he should yeah, pro- yeah. probably go in and grab the dude and, and use his tremendous size. Um, but then the Russian name that jumps out at me, uh, uh, Alexei Olyanek, uh, Walt Harris is the co-main event. Uh, Olyanek 57, 12, and 1 uh, to Walt Harris is 12 and 7. I believe Walt Harris is the betting favorite, which has me a little bit surprised. Yeah. Um, Olyanek coming off the uh, loss to Overeem um, in a fight that was really competitive early on. Uh, I, I got to go with Olyanek. I don't, um, unless he walks into a big punch early, I feel like he grabs Walt Harris. And uh, the last person to really grab Walt Harris, I believe, was Fabricio Verdun. And didn't he finish him in about three minutes or so? So, yeah. Um, I got to go with Olyanek, and, and if uh, if I was around some betting scene right now, I, I probably would, would throw some coin on him. Yeah, I mean, those are the fights that really stick out to me too. I mean, I know I told you uh, the my I don't really like to to disclose my bets versus my picks that I submit to Sure Dog and stuff, but I definitely uh, yeah, those are the ones that are definitely probably going to be the ones that people are talking about when that, when that event's over. So, but I think Danny- that's. Danny, are there any big fighters that you really like to watch in MMA? I don't remember if we asked you that last time, but is there, uh, obviously you're the boxing scene more per se, but is there any MMA fighters that you don't miss a fight of? Um, I mean, like, I like, I like uh, Cormier. I like Stipe. Uh, are you going to go to that fight? I, you know, I was thinking about it. I, was gonna, I, I mentioned it to Ed uh, when we talked the other day. Um, and, and he said it was sold out in like a couple minutes. Um, but I mean, you know, you can still get tickets on the on the secondary market. But um, <laughs> uh, but um, I had asked him, like, you know, I, and I like, you know, of course the stars, McGregor, Diaz. Like, I, I I'm surprised that Diaz actually finally came back. Uh, you know, I'm kind of glad he actually, whatever kind of beef he had with the UFC, I'm kind of glad that he's willing to come. But then Ed had mentioned that. Diaz is still kind of like a, you know, still like a, uh, like a firecracker where like he could pull out at like the day before just because he doesn't want to fight. So, um, but yeah, like I like guys like that. Um, uh, I like Amanda Nunes. Um, I say, I mean, you know, I love my boxing. I love, you know, female and male boxing, but there's, there's a different level in female MMA than there is in, in, in female boxing. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I liked, I watched the Holly Holm, uh, Amanda Nunes fight. Um, who else was on that card? Uh, I, that was, that was, the, that was the Masvidal five second knockout of Askren. Right. John Jones. That, yeah. Yeah. That was wild, man. Um, that was <laughs> wild with that jumping knee. Um, and that was the fastest knockout, right? Like in history. Yeah. Well, yeah. now it is. Yeah. The fastest, yeah. the fastest in UFC history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's been a couple quicker in, in Japan and, and stuff like that where, right. but this one, I mean, it, realistically, this was about a two second knockout. If they just do it by when the judge, the, the referee, by the time he gets in there and actually stops it. Um, whereas in Japan, the referee has been more in a better place to be able to instantly, you know, or it's just the guy doesn't follow up. I mean, if Maspidal just runs off with that flying knee, the ref might wave it off a lot quicker, but he goes in for the kill and it causes the referee to have to, uh, to actually get in there and, and, physically stop the fight as opposed to just waving it off from 10 feet away what do you what do you guys what do you guys think about um uh i forgot what weight he's at but he's one of the smaller weight uh is it it henry uh what do you guys think about him oh um i mean hard hard to as as freaking bothersome and cringy as he is with (laughs) with his antics and kicking it to the bella twins and you know, da- dating a, a Brazilian chick that's twice his size. Um, outside of all that stuff, it's hard to argue his uh, his athletic fortitude, his skill set, and and his drive to to do what he wants to do. I mean, I had I picked him to lose 
against Marlon Marais. And not only did he beat him, but he fought him, you know, you know, with injuries already. So um, he's a goofball, yeah. but I can't, I can't say he sucks or anything. <laughs> yeah, no, his, his act outside the cage is, is childish. Uh, uh, but um, the thing about Cejudo is, that, I mean, I followed him before he even got to the UFC and watched some of his earlier fights. He, he, he was Olympic gold medalist, so you knew he had the, the, the wrestling. Um, what he's done with his striking over the last like three or four years is is unbelievable. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously he's not going to fight Manny Pacquiao, but <laughs> in an MMA scene, um, the idea of him going in there and, and out striking Marlon Marais uh, yeah. is is would have never even it, it's it's unbelievable to think. And I mean, he yeah. essentially he stood with uh, Demetrius Johnson, who's. Yeah. Uh, is one of the better strikers in, in, in MMA history at that weight class. And um, he, he, I mean, he's really just become a, a his standup is almost as strong as his wrestling, which is a true credit to him. I'm, I'm not sure who he's worked with on that, but um, yeah, that's, that's what, cool. that's what's shocking about him the most. And uh, to be a two division champion um, yeah. in MMA is obviously hollow. You know, there's not a lot of it boxing. Uh, it, it it happens all the time when you're yeah. jumping up three, four pounds. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if you remember Daniel back when, back when you and I were writing at, uh, together at uh, Front Proof. Um, I had interviewed Marlon Marais and talked to you about him because that's what right. remember I covered a lot of World Series of Fighting stuff back then. And um, he was, he was, uh, I mean, he was, he was killing him over there. So that's why it was like easy for me to pick Marlon to win, and then for for Cejudo to to not only do what he did. First of all, he he took everything he had. And then and then he gave it back to him. So he not he took the beating that Marlon Moraes w- was bringing to that fight and survived it to to turn it around and then beat him. So I mean, uh, the thing is like like the guy that's the 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 uh, the stereotype for Mexican fighters in boxing. You know that whole thing of of taking the beating and coming back like Andy Ruiz did against Joshua and and you know the the the. Cesar Chavez and, and and stuff like that, just the durability and stuff, like what Mexican fighters bring. He's act, for me, he's the first one in MMA that's actually bringing it because he took a beating first and then turned it around and won. So I can't, I can't. I mean, I'll, I'll make fun of the guy for being short and, and being a goofball, but if it, I, I, when it comes to his skill set, I mean, he's Olympian, he's an Olympian too. So they're definitely different animals when it comes to to professional athletes. I'm sure it's the same thing in boxing too. Like guys that box in the Olympics aren't the same guys that, you know, the skill set's just miles apart. So that's just that's where I'm at. But uh, we're over an hour, so um, I mean, we, we should we should close out. Uh, I mean, we I know we could talk fights and and the fight game and everything with you forever, Daniel. But uh, you want to uh, for for uh, the last time before we uh, before Matt takes us out. Um, just uh, give us your links and your your podcast and plugs and stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, like I said, thank you guys for having me jump on again. I appreciate it. Um, you can follow uh, the podcast, our podcast, uh, at the last round one two at the last round twelve on Twitter, Instagram, all that social media stuff. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Danny Z underscore boxing. Um, and yeah, like I said, you know, if, uh, if there's any of the boxing crossover fans who are listening to this or even MMA fans who like b- watching both sports, uh, you know, check out our podcast. Like I said, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Audio Boom, uh, I think iHeart Radio or something like that. Um, so we're all over the place. And, uh, you know, like I said, we get pretty good guests. Um, you know, in January, actually, we almost, we almost, uh, we were in. Uh, it's funny that we mentioned Pacquiao on this show because we were in uh, in talks of, of interviewing him when he was going to come out here to train in Hollywood. Uh, but his schedule, like, and they were they were like talking to us and said, "Yeah, yeah, he's open to it." They just wanted us to submit some questions beforehand. Uh, but like his schedule was just really, really tight. But they were really open to, to us going out there and interviewing him. So um, we're still going to work on that eventually. Um, so hopefully. Uh, we get somebody like that on the show but um like i said yeah thanks again for having me on guys uh anytime you guys need a, a boxing folk to jump on you know i'm your guy well thanks for joining us uh fans can always follow us at combat hour on twitter 
you can also follow uh, Coast to Coast Combat Hour now on Instagram. After last week's show, I started up an Instagram page for the uh, podcast. Uh, you can follow myself at MMAHawk21 on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Ed at Carbizal on Twitter, at Carbizal on Instagram. Uh, yeah, Danny, don't be a stranger. If uh, if there's any boxing matches or anything going on, any of the reservations out here, or the L.A. boxing scene or whatever, feel free to reach out. I'd, I'd love to uh, to come out there and, and watch some fights with you. Uh, I, I see them all the time, but I just I'm usually in the MMA scene so much. But I, I'd love to get out to some of the, the smaller boxing events, especially, and see some of the up-and-coming fighters. So, so uh, don't be a stranger. If anything comes up, uh, feel free to let me know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's unfortunate that we can't go to any more Golden Boy MMA fights, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, Ed, uh, Ed, I'll talk to you. Uh, have fun actually being able to enjoy the fights this weekend on uh, on ESPN, and uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Will do. Hey guys, Ed here, East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions and the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, Thanks again for listening. And if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast, maybe... uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.